can you be friends with your kids or does being friends with your kids force you to not be able to raise them in the way that a parent should? We discuss this and more with special returning guest, Sally Clarkson on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, adult child, and with me as always is my mortifyingly mature co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and someone who has a lot of strong opinions on how to raise children without actually having children. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like most of the people I know who have strong opinions about yes. raising <laughs> But I was raised, uh, nice segue, by someone who does have some experience raising children and is rather, uh, uh, has an important voice in the field of raising children. So I feel like I can, my my opinions have some weight. You're, 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 you're um, what do you call it? You're, um, you're, you are the results. You are the results. Yes, of the yes, example. I'm the results of the. <laughs> you're the book that they're reading. You're my book that they're reading. Yes. <laughs> oh, well said. And that is a perfect segue with us today, a very special guest. She is an author, speaker, podcast host, and social media influencer who has written or co-written over 20 books, including Seasons of a Mother's Heart, The Life-Giving Table, Leaning on the Promises of God for Moms, Awaking Wonder, Help I'm Drowning, and Different, which she co-authored with our very own Nathan Clarkson. She is the host of the weekly podcast, At Home with Sally Clarkson, has raised four children who have gone on to be successful authors, including aforementioned Nathan Clarkson, Joy Clarkson, Joel Clarkson, and Sarah Clarkson. She is the sensational, the stunning, the spectacular Sally Clarkson. Mrs. Clarkson, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. I think that's the best introduction I've ever had. Yes, <laughs> master of intros, you, you can it. put that on my tombstone. Uh, there you go. <laughs> well, we're very happy to have you on today to be discussing whether or not parents can be friends with their kids. But mm -hmm. this is definitely one people are gonna have very strong opinions about. I'm very excited. But anyway, before we get started, Nathan, if people enjoy the discussion that we have today and the way we do our discussions, where's other places they can enjoy, uh, engage more with our content and also with fellow overthinkers like themselves? They can go to the overthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about the hosts and any live events we have coming up. We just had a great Oscars party and we're gonna be having things come up in the summer and fall. And we wanna see you live in person here in New York City or wherever we do these live events. So check out the overthinkersjournal.com. You can also head to our private group on Facebook called the Overthinkers where we now have over 5,000 people posting memes, getting discussions and having a great time overthinking. So we want you to be a part of that. And if you enjoy the show, would you please consider leaving a review or sharing with a friend? It really does help us so very much. Awesome. All right. So, well, we're very glad to have you here, Mrs. Clarkson. You ready to get started? Ready to get started right now. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's get it started. Let's get it started. Here. Fantastic. Okay. So, it's no secret that philosophies around relationships parents should have with their children have changed a lot in recent decades. Mm -hmm. Baby boomers primarily saw their role as an authority figure rather than as a friend, but more recent generations have challenged that paradigm. According to Desert News, over half of millennials would describe their child as one of their best friends and tend to share decision-making with the entire family rather than being seated with just the parents. 
This change is obviously controversial. Detractors of the being friends with your kids model, such as marriage and family therapist David Schwartz writing for Psychology Today, argue that the only way to have the kind of intimacy and trust of friendship with your kids is to not exercise the authority you need to in order to raise healthy children. Proponents of the new model, such as Connective Parenting Director Bonnie Harris writing for Medium, argue that the friendship model is possible if you reimagine wielding authority as setting healthy boundaries, and that a relationship based on intimacy and trust is healthier than one based on primarily on power. So Mrs. Clarkson, you have engaged with the topic of parenthood and being a healthy parent and raising healthy children for many years, both as a parent yourself, and mm -hmm. as somebody who has spoken to and advised and heard the stories of other parents. So mm -hmm. what do you, when you hear the struggles of parents trying to navigate the relationship with having their kids, what do you see as the primary problems that they're dealing with? And do you think that there is a way to wield the authority that parent needs to well, while still being friends with your kids in some way, shape or form? Yeah, I do. I think that um, I was just uh, actually I live in in Oxford and I was just in London speaking with a journalist who uh, is involved in this. Um, this will have a point eventually. <laughs> She's involved in, in this uh, particular movement of people that say the first thousand days. Hmm. And um, what it's about is that they they're finding, of course, over and over again, that the first thousand days of a baby's life determine the foundations of the rest of their life. Hmm. And um, and so the reason I'm bringing that up is because I think that how a child is received into the world um, has a great deal to do with whether or not they develop healthy relationships or not later on. And so I'm going all the way back to babyhood. But um, uh, what they found is uh, that those beginning years when a child is held, embraced, nurtured, loved, as a matter of fact, the more times a child is kissed on its head, the smarter it will be. <laughs> mm. And that interesting, it stimulates something in the brain. So there's a reason I'm going back all the way to that. Um, I think that that we're confused about just basic childhood. Mm. And um, I think that children are real human beings. Uh, they come into the world uh, totally dependent. Mm. Why in the world did our creator make children so dependent? They couldn't eat. They couldn't live. They couldn't sleep. They couldn't dress. They can't do anything without their parents. And so one of the first problems I see is that parents don't accept their children as a gift to begin with. Mm. And so the first thing is accepting them as a gift. The second thing is also I was holding Sarah, my first child in my hands when she was first born. And I thought, oh my, oh my goodness, this is a stewardship. If I speak to her about um, my love and her worth and her value, if I am patient, if I am, if I stimulate her intellectually, if I, anyway, all those things, then I will, then she will be able to grow healthily, emotionally, intellectually, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So I think the first thing is a parent needs to accept their child mm -hmm. um, with all that they are as a gift and as a reality. This is real. It's going to take up all your time. You're going to be gray-headed when it's over. Mm -hmm. um, and so the first part that communicates to a child is if a parent says, I am committed to this. I will take the time to do it well. I will love this child. I will try to get to know this child's personality. I will serve this child um, because I am probably the most influential determinative factor of mm. what this child will become long term. So I feel like just in the beginning, 
um, all parents, whether they they are you know too um, permissive or whether they're too controlling, need to look at children as gifts, as real human beings, and think what causes all human beings to grow. One of my favorite um, childhood verses in the in the world is do unto others as you would have them do unto mm. you. And so we'll talk about that more. I'll unpack that more <laughs> later. Well, no, that, that's great. I love the foundation that yeah. you lay that you, you kind of go back to the beginning and that before you even get to the question, how to be a friend or how to be a parent, you have to get to the commitment of this is the role of a parent, which is to love, to provide, yeah. to, to teach, um, to train, to, to teach, to yeah. train. And then you can start asking those questions of how should this relationship look? But before you can ask what kind of relationship we have, you have to have this DTR with you and your child to say, <laughs> this is my calling as a parent. I'm the most, this is realization. You go, I'm the most influential, like you said, determinative factor in this child's life who uh, that will affect who this child becomes and knowing that should determine the choices from there on out. But I, what I want to explore now here, Joseph thoughts up on that too, is I think a lot of um, parents out there, I've heard this from a lot of parents, especially after they read our book different um, is, you know, it seems like you and your mom are friends. Does that mean she never disciplined you? Does that mean she never guided you? That Does that mean she didn't have any boundaries that she didn't demand respect? Because um, you talk about being our friends. We're friends, right? We talk yeah. to each other, we hang out, we do things, you come on my podcast. Like that is an obvious, those are all obvious markers of friendship. Mm -hmm. But I would also say that within our relationship, there's still obvious markers of respect. Right. I know that you are not my friend, Joseph. You are my mother. Yeah. That there is a respect. <laughs> Thank God I for have. that. If I was a mom, this would be kind of shocking. Yeah, <laughs> but there's respect I have to show you that right. I've learned to show you that I don't have to show Joseph. Mm -hmm. You know, and he doesn't. And so it's, yeah, and I don't. <laughs> so how do you? Um, and I want and I want to hear uh, kind of unpack this a little bit. How do you one? Maybe it's both and. I think people always want the one or the yeah, other. Yeah. How do you one create a a um, context of mm -hmm. respect and guidance? And Joseph, you brought up boundaries earlier. Mm -hmm. And then two, when you're doing that, the the rules, the guidance, the boundaries. How do you also create relationship? And right. and so, where do you get your model for how to do that? And yeah. what kind of inspired you to figure that out? And how did you figure that out? Yeah. Okay, so you're probably going to think this is a very simplistic answer, but you asked me, and it's my opinion. Good. <laughs> I um, I fell in love with the model of Christ. He served his disciples. He washed 120 dirty men toes. Mm. Um, he fed them food. He, but he also instructed them. He called them to their best selves. He required them to work. He, you know, I I would look at him and I would think, oh, the way you influence someone is number one give your life to him. That's what I was talking about earlier. I see from my, from my point of view, a lot of parents are very passive. They mm. just want their own lives, their own time. And they say, just give me the formula. Mm. Tell me what 10 things I need to do that will pop out a perfect child. And I think there's no formula. There's a lot of principles, but if you don't accept to begin with it, it's going to take a lot of time. And if you don't honor the child is a real human being with a unique personality if you don't say this is one of the best things I'll ever have to do is to leave a real human being well-trained and well-loved, um, then you're never going to be able to give that child what they need. So that's just the beginning. But um, as far as, uh, you know, I think that for me, and maybe it was my background, but uh, I thought what I can give to my children is strength of character. 
Mm. Um, you know, if I if I give to them a virtuous character where they can be self-controlled, courageous, um, loving, um, unselfish, uh, hardworking, then I'm going to send them into the world prepared to take on the world. So if you love your child, and hopefully that's the healthiest way to love your children, uh, I mean, to, to um, handle your children. If you love your child, then you also have to do what is best for them to have a healthy, sustainable life, preparing them to be able to flourish in a world that will require them to have virtue. You, you, you can't, it's, it's high love, high training. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think there's so there a couple of things I think you're, you're making as principles that, I, that I'm really fascinated by. One is, you know, it, it can be considered cheesy, like use the, the example of Christ. But what's fascinating is that we do, people do refer to Jesus as both Lord and as friend. And right. so there is a sense in which in the Christian sense, the model of that being a friend doesn't necessarily contradict having authority over someone mm -hmm. and having authority right. and instruction and that kind of um, power uh, isn't necessarily in contradiction. I think so. That's a really interesting point to make. I think that, you know, and so you can kind of look at look at sort of things in my life, like, you know, for, for my life, you know, I was raised by a parent, you know, no, no surprise. Um, but uh, <laughs> my, you know, my mom and dad, they, one of the things I remember talking about my mom is that I remember being shocked and realizing that when I was watching like one of my superhero cartoons, that I could make an obscure reference to them. And then my mom would actually pick it up. And it was at that moment, I realized, wow, my mom is so involved in my life and my interests that I can tell her an obscure reference to something really nerdy that I'm interested in and she will get it and she'll empathize and I will enjoy talking to her about it. And so there's a sense in which she wasn't overly critical of my interests. She, you know, was someone that I felt safe to talk to about the things I was interested in. Mm -hmm. It's also true that there were some times, there were some things I didn't want to tell her about because I knew that, you know, I wanted to explore my own interests and in things that she would, she would be critical of. And she was as responsible. She's saying, no, you should stay away from this movie or this cartoon or these things. And if I wanted to test against those boundaries, then I couldn't tell her about it because she did have a kind of a role to shape me in the way that she thought was right. And that was going to put some kind of barriers to intimacy. I think that many a times what I find when parents say that they want to be, you know, want to be friends with their kids mm -hmm. and when people are critical of people who want to be friends with their kids. What I find is the thing that parents are trying to do or afraid of doing is they, they don't want to do anything that will, um, will create a barrier between them and their kids. Their kids will be afraid to tell them anything. But the problem is, if you talk about God being our friend or Christ being a friend, you know, there are times when people don't want to be near God or don't want to have a relationship with God because they're going to be innocent. <laughs> yes, they're going to afraid that he's going to prevent them from doing things they want to do. And so sometimes in order to wield the authority of discipline, it is going to create a barrier in your intimacy with children. And to a certain degree, in order to, you know, prevent kids from doing things that are actually bad for them, um, you're going to have to do that. And it's different from the boundaries you put with friends, because with friends, you know, you can set boundaries when they do things that harm, you know, they do things that you. harm you exactly but with parents you have to prevent them set boundaries from doing things that harm them you know whereas with a friend you can say i don't think you should do that and maybe if you're doing that i'm not gonna be your friend anymore but with a parent you can't do that you say well i'm still gonna be your your parent 
And so you're going to have to do things. So I don't know. So that was that's sort of my question is sort of like, how do you what are practical ways you can set those boundaries in terms of uh, in terms of giving people enough kids enough freedom if they feel safe talking to you, but also being OK with not um, setting boundaries that may make them not afraid to to say things to you. And that's my where I'm thinking about it. But Nathan, I want you to kind of give some of your examples of what you would uh, of, of your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, I don't want to put words in my mom's mouth when I'm thinking about this. I'm actually really glad that you, mom, said uh, that Christ was your example, because I actually think, as Joseph pointed out, this is a very, um, it is the relationship between parent and child, God's relationship to us. So yep. as we look to how we ought to parent, you really should look at God's interaction with both his disciples and his children, mm -hmm. us. And it's interesting, Joseph, that you pointed out God is both a friend and a father and a parent. He is someone who both is intimately involved in us uh, as a friend, as someone who hears us and listens to us. And it also says in scripture, God is God and we are not. Yeah. He makes the rules and we follow him. We don't get to make the rules. Um, so it's an interesting, it, what seems like dichotomous relationship uh, that how in the world can you be friends and, and close to someone emotionally while still realizing they're in charge and they do the things and you have to ultimately follow what they do. And I think that God is the way we look at this. And as I look back to my childhood, mom, the way I remember you doing this most effectively is, you know, I think to my high school years, when obviously there's a lot of stuff I want to hide. There's a lot of stuff um, that you don't want to tell just your parents. that you have that you most teenagers feel guilty about. No, of course, yeah. you know, just every teenager wants to push the things or, you know, whatever it is and, and discover uh, my own things. I want to do my own things and not tell my parents, you know, whatever it might be. And, but because you and I had created a relationship, mm -hmm. that, that was the reason I felt the freedom to tell you when I had messed up, to tell you when something was going wrong, to tell you when I didn't know, or to tell you when I made a big mistake because there was this relationship of grace there. It wasn't that I didn't get disciplined, it wasn't that I didn't get guidance, but I knew that ultimately um, there was a care and love for me. So it, it seems like your way of actually creating boundaries and respect and um, guidance for your kids wasn't through moralism, but mm -hmm. rather it was through relationship. Mm -hmm. So you actually gave us boundaries and guidance through the art of relationship and friendship. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I'm sorry to go back to this again, but I think it's also you have to look at the stages. When a baby mm -hmm. is born, um, you are the adult, they are the tiny baby. They don't have any ability to reason, age, or yeah. you know, should I respect you or anything. But the more you embrace them, love them, the more you give them um, routines and rhythms, the more you narrate life to them. You may never use your hand um, to hit someone. Never, never, never. You know, they hit someone, you grab their hand. No, 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 no. Um, look at my eyes. I'm allergic to whining. If you whine, I can't listen to you. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I was constantly narrating life in a way that they were learning about life. They were, this is when we get up in the morning, we're going to have a little devotion. This is when we're going to clean the dishes. This is when we're going to go out and play. You narrate, you give them expectations, but you lead them in the way that they need to go. Leadership is about telling someone where you're going and the steps we're going to take to get there mm. and children really respond to leadership so the whole first years of their lives they're totally dependent upon you they learn language from you they learn um even relationships tone of voice how to do so you're totally investing in a baby um and the earlier you do it the more self-control they have um and, so what about the parents who have teenagers right now okay so i'm gonna, I'm gonna fast forward over there but the thing is uh, I feel like most of you all, I, I may be stepping your toes, but um, 
I feel like my kids told me almost everything when they were teenagers. I mean, not everything, but they felt like they could talk to me about anything. Yeah, big things. Yeah, because I think when when children are little, you're building that trust. You're mm. you're you're teaching them what is truth, what is respect. How does it? What does it look like to? Um, do unto others as you would have them do unto mm -hmm. you. I have to treat you with respect, but you also have to treat me with respect. Mm -hmm. We had our 24 family ways. So we gave them foundations and leadership. But also, I always believed wholeheartedly that every child needed the grace to make mistakes, um, you know, as well as uh, someone to believe forward in their lives. You're amazing. I think you have quite mm -hmm. a story to tell. Someone to support them and advise them along the way. And, and then um, really we, I don't think we could have loved our kids more, but we love them by investing lots of time with them. And um, I think that sometimes I feel like parents are so, like you said, moralistic, they're behavioral. Hmm. So that they have this illusion that when their children, you're, you're kind of little by little letting go of the control. Hmm. It, it's a process. In other words, you're starting out, they have total dependence on you, high control. Hmm. Uh, and then you're teaching them when they're little. Um, we call it will training. I can't, I can't make you obey me, but you have a choice to make. Mm. You know, if you choose to obey me right now, great. This and this and this will happen. If you if you feel like you can't do this without, you know, complaining, whining, whatever, hitting your brother, taking his toy, then you and mom are going to sit here on the couch until <laughs> um, until heaven comes down. If you have to. <laughs> <laughs> or you know, we're going to write out things, or we're going to, you know, if you if you have a choice to make, you won't be able to play with your Legos anymore. Yeah. If you decide against what I'm asking you to do, you have a choice. You can play with your Legos all you want if you'll just submit well, in the situation. So we were saying to our kids, you have power in your life. You're amazing. You're going to direct the course of your life as you get older. So by the time they were teenagers, uh, we felt like we needed little by little to be letting them out. We knew that they would do foolish things. We had done foolish things. But we, we knew that if they didn't learn their own muscle, if they didn't learn, uh, and that's in any relationship, you have to let the other person thrive. So this, is really, so this is really interesting to me. So you're talking about the, you know, really, if you set a foundation when they're young. You're leading, yeah. Yes. Then intertraining them. Then once, you know, they get to be teenagers, as you're starting to, you know, let the, you know, take the hands off a little bit more couple things happen mm -hmm. one it becomes much more closer to a relationship where you know if, where well then then hopefully they've actually had built the tools necessary to be able to make their own choices and experience the consequences and then come to you when they've made mistakes and help to work that out it also seems that because there's a relationship there's a relationship that's built there. it also is interesting seems to be like again the more closer they become to adults the closer your relationship becomes about with less authority and more about setting boundaries just in general setting boundaries like look you can't treat someone you can't treat me with disrespect because you can't treat anyone with disrespect and that's that's an interesting that's an interesting aspect i think is really really fascinating um i guess what honor what, was a big deal to me yeah. i would say you know um if you don't learn to honor me you'll never learn to bow your knee before god you know yeah. Here's <laughs> you have to understand that there will be authorities in your life that will require you to do yeah. something. And if you don't learn the value of giving a person honor by listening to them, seeking to understand their context and um, doing what is in, you know, in the best in mind with them and with you, then you're gonna fail at relationships. It also so seems, I, I, 
Go ahead. Sorry. It also seems that the kind of discipline that you did is very interesting to me because it's a kind of discipline that is that most closely resembles the kind of boundaries they're going to have to establish for themselves in life after parenthood. Because it's like, look. Yeah, it's practice. Yeah, it's like, if you are hitting someone else, you're not going to get the things that you want. Like you're not, if you're hitting your children. There's a practicality here. Yes, mm -hmm. so it doesn't feel, well, a lot of times what happens with kids is they feel like the punishments are arbitrary and therefore only mm -hmm. exist because their parents are authoritarian. And so right. then if they leave the authority of the parents that those consequences, those boundaries won't exist anymore. But actually it's like, right. oh yeah, if you break my stuff, I'm not gonna let you use my stuff anymore. Is like, oh, that's yeah. a real world thing. And you, because you're a parent and have authority, you are have the authority to train them in that way. But it's also boundaries that are most closely resembling real life. And so the kids are like, oh, yeah, this actually represents reality, not just my parents' powers. That's very interesting to me. Well, and one thing I want to say before we wrap up and let my mom uh, wrap us up, which is, you know, I think one of the things that people forget here is that we think in these these terms that, that are mutually exclusive, right? right? I can either be an authoritarian, right. power hungry, moralistic parent who makes my kids act a certain way, or I can be this, you know, namby pamby, do whatever you want. Um, but the, there's, I feel like a lot of people don't understand that there, it is um, absolutely possible to both be relationally close to your kids, mm -hmm. be quote unquote friends with them, while still establishing a relationship of respect and guidance and even hierarchy. Yeah. You know what I mean? My mom is at a higher uh, place in the respect hierarchy than I am, in my family than I am, yet we are still good friends. These things are not mutually exclusive. They right. can exist at the same times. And, mm -hmm. and for some reason, culture or just people think that these can't exist at the same time. And both of these things, both the friendship and the respect can exist and need to be fostered and, and um, nurtured at the same time. So mom, thinking about that about friendship and respect all at once and that we talked about the model of god and we talked about how establishing that as a baby and how we can move to more trust as an adult what are just some last things on the how do people both become friends and foster and foster respect from their children all at once i think that kids um equate uh love as t-i-m-e um you know mm -hmm. if you want your child you used to say this to me nathan Mama, when you spend time with me, it makes me want to obey you. And when you don't, yeah. when you ignore me, I'll do whatever I have to do to get your attention. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so you, you have to invest in what they like to do, what they want to say. You have to listen to their, you know, all their midnight talks when they're teenagers. Uh, you have to bribe them with cookies and back scratches, even when they're teenagers. Um, anyway, no, but I would say uh, the control only turns people away. Mm. Uh, you know, when, when somebody feels guilty or if somebody feels like you're, you're going to try to control their decisions and you're not going to let them be who they were created to be by God, we allowed our children to make mistakes because we made mistakes. Mm. Um, we tried to set boundaries when they were very young so that by the time they were teenagers, they would already have those implanted in the foundations of their brain thoughts. Mm. Um, and then as they got older and older, we, we trusted them to meet out these these mm. truths and we were there to support them if they fell we were there to pick them up um if they wanted our advice we were there to advise them but so it's it's the beginning and the ends that really matter because if you give good foundations mm. good perceptive understanding for their little brains teach them as you're going lots of time then by the time they're teenagers you you kind of do this this passing thing you let them have more and more um freedom you trust them more you help them to develop their own muscle their own 
kids have to have independence to become strong leaders. Mm. Um, they have to have practice to be able to use their influence in the world. And um, it also sounds like this isn't a static relationship. This is a maybe there's more control and less control. There's yeah. more relationship and less relationship as you get older. But too. interesting, I've read a lot of studies uh, that mm. cor um, corroborate this over and over and over again. A child um, who has high love and high permissiveness is going to be inclined to believe in God. Mm. A, high ch a child who has um, high love and high discipline is going to be inclined to believe in God. Children who have um, control or, or high discipline, low love or high discipline passivity, um, the, the controlling of a person mm. disinclines them to believing in the good in the goodness of life. Wow. And so, um, especially the, without the concept of love present. Yeah. So, love is the most important factor. It should be the oxygen they breathe and real love. Real love cares that they don't do stupid yeah. things. Um, you know, real love cares that they don't make decisions that will harm them in their lives. But if a child doesn't first feel that who they are is validated, accepted, mm -hmm. that they can make mistakes, that they can talk to you about anything, you're not going to gasp. Um, it's the foundation of a good, healthy relationship that sets the foundation for the ability to give advice, to set boundaries, um, yeah. to be able to flourish. And so if you don't have healthy relationships at the very foundation, then it will be very difficult to either control them enough or to give them too much permissiveness because um, there isn't health at the center. Wow. So ultimately, I, I love this, essentially, to guide your kids, mm -hmm. you have to be friends with them. So it's a yes, we answered our question. It's a yes <laughs> and. We have solved it. Multi-generational conflict is done here in one podcast. <laughs> I, don't, I, I feel like it is. Sally Clarkson showed up, did her thing, dropped the mic. and uh, Exactly. And I well, will say, this is a good picture of, um, if you, like, I would say follow my mom's example she's literally sitting on my podcast what <laughs> what guy has his mom on his podcast yeah well, i do because she's my best friend but she's also my mother and the queen of our family who i respect uh, she at least both did of these something right yeah both yeah but now i nathan truly is i i call him every day i love him yeah. i adore him but i learn from him yeah. Um, there has to be a point at which you give utter respect that there is this holistic, strong, healthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Symbiotic. It's you need all these elements to bake the cookies. And I am the cookie. Cookie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I second that again. I call my mom all the time, too. And she's you know, we have a good relationship. And so, you know, we have some credibility in the in this. But um, yeah, <laughs> thank you so much. Excellent, man. I will. I will. I will verify that these are both excellent men. <laughs> Thank you. We have the Sally Clarkson stamp of approval. That's all. Yeah, we're going to put that on the poster now. Excellent men. Like a movie <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> so now we move on to our beloved segment, Blesses and Curses, where we take a resource, a piece of a resource, a piece of art, a piece of media that we think is great that we want to recommend on this topic and one or a couple that we think are bad that you should stay away from. So, and of course, our guest is always invited, but not required to uh, join. So I'll uh, start us off and then uh, you guys can jump in when you'd like. So first of all, I'm going to recommend book, uh, How to Talk So Kids Will Listen. 
book and I recommend it primarily because that was one of the books that my mom used when she was raising me and I think you can just see the results are spectacular <laughs> um and part of but part of it, what they did is they, they they talked a lot about what it's like to create a space where your uh kids feel safe to tell you most things you know it's like they don't feel like they're going to be punished if they share their inner selves with with you so they will talk they will talk to you but also like what those those boundaries of authority look like when you are trying to train it's like no this behavior is not acceptable and and doing a lot more of the model of oh yeah this is actually reflected by the real world and so it doesn't feel arbitrary exchanges of power so i think that that's a good one it's, that i can recommend based merely on my own existence uh and my mom used it for me so that's why i want to recommend that are recommend a couple of a couple of movies that do a good job i think of showing the different ways that uh, you know, parental can be either too permissive or too, uh, too controlling. Um, I think uh, uh, Mean Girls, if for for the olders people in the audience, the kids, <laughs> not, the, not, not the kids, but uh, but the teens, it's a good movie it shows it shows a mom in there that is trying to be the cool mom. She's literally a meme where she she, she does this movie. It's like, I'm not an ordinary mom. I'm a cool mom. And it's uh, Amy Poehler doing her good rendition. And it's a good, you know, and it shows the results is obviously a very entitled and, and abusive uh, daughter there. So that's, I think, a good picture of what you don't want to do as a parent. But then, of course, there, I guess, I'll just because I love the movie, I'll do How to Train Your Dragon, who shows the authoritarian, <laughs> fa the authoritarian father figure who won't actually ever let the child be who they are and show their own strengths to the degree that the child has mm -hmm. to lie to them. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. So that was that, a good movie. I liked that movie. One Me of too. my favorites. One of my favorite movies. Good, so that's, good choice. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Sally Clark's <laughs> stamp of approval. Um, <laughs> that's a thing now. Yes. Um, I'll just put that on the TikTok. Uh, then the uh, as a curse, I think I'll do Dan in real life, even though the movie, even though people are going to get mad at me for that. I think it's it's a Steve Carell comedy. I think I felt the same way. Keep going. So, so yeah, it's a it's a Steve Carell comedy. I I just kind of think it's an unfunny comedy, even though I love Steve Carell, that glamorizes um, letting your kids do whatever they want and get away with things. Because like mm -hmm. he's 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 treated as a toxic parent for setting boundaries with his kids, even though some of his his boundaries may be toxic, but some of them are actually very healthy and. Uh, and he's treated as toxic for doing that. And the result at the end is not a balance that's come from, it's that, no, he just has to let the kids do whatever they want. And so I thought, I thought that that's toxic and it doesn't even uh, get away with actually making it funny and enjoyable. So that's that's gonna be my curse for that. Oh, there you go. Thank nice. you. Nice. All right, you wanna go? Okay, so um, there's a book that we just listened to on Audible over and over and over and over and over oh, again yeah. called Cheaper by the Dozen. Oh, and, yes. Uh, it was, I, I think the narrator makes it so wonderful and it's it's silly and it's fun and it's training and it's mm -hmm. family and it's everything. Mm -hmm. But I used to say with my four that you are my club and, you know, we're going to go out and do this and we're going to go out and do this and, and mm -hmm. we would explore the world. We would have fun. We would learn languages. We would read books. We, But um, it's kind of a picture about how you can cultivate a community of friendship and love mm -hmm. and respect. And um, people are expected to do certain things. They're also given a lot of opportunity to have fun. So it's a really fun and historic, hysterical and fun book, or fun uh, book, yeah. And then the movie, I don't know if this is actually a movie, but we watched a series of seven years of something called Tales of Avonlea. Yes. Ah, uh, TV show, yeah. 
Yeah, and Such it was a celebration of family, isn't it? But it's it's a celebration of life. There's there's love and mischief and and um, getting upset and forgiving one another and eating a lot and running around. And I think that uh, we need to celebrate innocence for little mm. children a little bit more. They don't need all of the quirky weirdo uh, goblins that give them bad dreams at night. For um, <laughs> you know, they they need. I mean, just to have uh, normal, healthy children who mm. they can identify with mm. and parents mm. they can identify with and um, good family entertainment. It was yeah. great family entertainment, and there's seven years of it. So when your child has an ear infection, you can plop them right down with no guilt. <laughs> You can um, binge for hours. Yeah, but I uh, it's Tales of Avonlea. Um, for a while, they were they were used by or they had a license from the Disney Channel, but they don't anymore. You can go online and find them. They're from Canada. Um, it's nice. where Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams got their start. Right. Oh right. my goodness! But, um, wow. Yeah, but they were they were tales that were supposedly based on Lucy Maud Montgomery, who also wrote Anne of Green Gables hmm. uh, and Anne of Avonlea. But she also wrote other tales. Nice. And, um, yeah. it's, it's a it's a, a period turn of the century piece that takes place in a small little town around three or four families. And it really just is so magical and beautiful. And it it kind of reminds you how in this really powerful, but also warm and fun way, how powerful families are. Yeah. And how yeah. effective and important. So it's how they matter. And it goes up through their teenage years. Yeah, oh, that's so that's great. So again, you had for my blesses, you know, all the examples of how to do it wrong. And so we want to picture yeah. like <laughs> families, <laughs> what, what family can look like and all its messiness and positivity. Tales of Avonlea, seven seasons of it. That's fantastic. And we're okay. not gonna we're not gonna make her do a curse because she Sally Clarkson has to remain neutral. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I she I, has plenty of the curse behind closed doors, but she can't do it on there. I just I don't like books that uh, or or uh, movies that shame anyone shame children mm, demean yes. them um because i think demeaning or shaming just causes rebellion mm, yeah there's yeah there are those fair. i couldn't think of an immediately good example <laughs> yeah i'm sure you can there's there's a couple of there's a couple of christian films that it's like this is not written by someone with consultation with their kids <laughs> so okay i'm going to um i'm going to be a little bit of a brown noser right now and i'm going to bless two books that everyone should read oh. who cares about this subject i think they're great choices <laughs> I, but i genuinely i people still write me and say i've never read a book that's changed my life and so I haven't read these books, but I am the result of these books. <laughs> so, but one is my mom's, one, one of your very first, not your very first, one of your first books, it's called The Mission of Motherhood, Touching Your Child's Heart hmm. for Eternity. And this was a pivotal, this is a best-selling book. I'll um, pay you later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but really go get a copy. I, I still get, and I also know my mom gets thousands and thousands of letters, how this changed people's life, this changed people's perspective on how to approach raising your child, that this is important, this is deeply, um, eternally important, and this is kind of a good foray into understanding the perspective of what being a mom and a parent means. And then I'm going to bless my dad's book, and this one is very practical on discipline, mm. and it's called um, uh, uh, Heartfelt Discipline, Following God's Path of Life to the Heart of Your Child. And this was actually a very controversial book when they came out, because mm. it said, maybe stop hitting your kids yeah. and learn to communicate with them. So both of these books really do speak to the relational aspect while still talking about the respect and guidance aspect. So please go buy those. But I'm betting a lot of our listeners probably already have. That's <laughs> <laughs> a, a good shot. Yeah, <laughs> yes, a good bet. Um, for my curse, 
Oh, I don't want to call people out. Um, you know, <laughs> do it. You see, I um, love it when you call people out because it doesn't cost you anything, and it's Prince fun. That's true. <laughs> and oh, geez, I don't want to. Okay, there's a movie called Princess Cut, and it's a movie that is about an adult woman. Oh gosh, being so like a truly adult woman being so dumb that she doesn't know how to date anyone, and so <gasps> she needs her dad to come in oh, and God. court and date for her oh, this because. Is perfect. And so to me, it's just this picture of, of we, how do I say it? Not preparing your kids, not yeah. building a relationship, a relationship of trust and entrusting that them to go out and, and um, follow have, God. Have a brain. Yeah. Have a brain and find wisdom for themselves. It just, it's basically says your kids are idiots and you should control everything <laughs> they do um, and then justifies it with some religion. So I'm sorry. It's a, and it's terribly acted, terribly made. Yeah. I'm so, so sorry. It's not. If our, if our, go watch it. Now, here's the thing. If, if well, anybody, I got some more downloads. Yeah, there you go. If anybody has remained fans with us by this point, they're not going to be offended by us. Yeah, that's Christian, true. So. Yeah. We burned a lot of bridges <laughs> just a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think there is. But mom a, might like it, actually. I should show it to her. So. Oh, I'm not going to like it. You, but you might. There, there is a, there is a, there is an aspect of of some parental cultures which is I want my children to remain infantile so I can remain having power over them. There yes. is a, yeah. a parental culture and it does <laughs> feed that fantasy for parents. So that is yes. it is toxic in that yes. sense. Yeah. And it's terrible. My mom does not want that. She wanted us to go out and <laughs> yeah, do things. Soon the as world. possible. Yes. Yes. She has enough to do. No, yes. like, You've got a story to tell. Go and get them and I'll be right there with you to cheer yep. you on. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for uh joining us, Mrs. Clarkson. Um, we've been doing a lot of pushing of your content for good reason, but if there's any place you want uh anything um where people could go in order to get more of your content or uh, engage more with what you do, where can they go? Uh, SallyClarkson.com. It's Sally Clarkson, everything. Uh, but <laughs> Sally.Clarkson on Instagram. Um, the real Sally Clarkson on Facebook. Um, I, I've had some assistants over the years who accidentally lost my password, so I had <laughs> oh, to <no>. change. <laughs> but um, no, just uh, my blog, my podcast, At Home with Sally. And I, I really... I love what you all do because oh. I love also doing it. It's so much fun mm. to have discussions with real life friends out there. Yeah. And I know I get comments all the time about how much people enjoy you all. It's just oh. wonderful. That means so much. That's well, really nice. like yeah. So what's yeah. the name of your podcast? So I can tell people. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they found the podcast, they probably yes. know. But <laughs> I'm really teasing. <laughs> overthinkers. Yes. Um, yeah. oh, but also, I will say, if people want uh, links to those studies you're talking about, about um, uh, showing love in God, where can they find those also? Uh, showing love to your children is the best way to help them uh, believe in well, God. Well, I do. I mean, I, I have... I have done 650 podcasts. Okay, so you can um, find it there. so somewhere in there. there. <laughs> I, I've written 24 books, and I, I have conferences online. I've done. Uh, All right, so anyway. they can find it there. Perfect. That's awesome. Just type in Sally Clarkson Parenting, and you'll get some stuff. You'll find something. <laughs> All right, and uh, Nathan, if you want to get in touch with you, where can they go? They can go to NathanClarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. Fantastic. You can find me on any of the socials as well. You can also find my work, uh, film critic, culture critic work at Religion Unplugged. Just search Religion Unplugged and just Holmes. Well, thank you so much, Sally, for joining us. And thank you very much, everyone else, listeners, for joining us. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.